and the floor was covered with spotlessly clean blue carpeting. The lighting was dim. The two officers stopped for a moment, exchanged knowing glances, then set off like athletes along the corridor to their right. They soon came to the last apartment. The muscular one pressed the bell, once only. His companion had a dark complexion and several days' growth of black beard. They did not have long to wait. A few seconds later, an eye looked out at them through the peephole. After another moment or two, there was a click. The door slowly opened. It was 8.36 p.m. in Manhattan. Chapter One Madison Avenue is one of the main thoroughfares of Manhattan. Situated between Fifth Avenue and Park Avenue, it is renowned as a street full of fashionable boutiques. That Saturday evening, it was even more crowded than usual, despite the cold and the rain. The traffic was heavy and the pedestrians, wrapped tightly in their raincoats and overcoats, were hurrying along under their umbrellas, some with their coat collars raised, others with caps pulled down over their ears, and others with scarves around their necks. Many were on their way to Grand Central Terminal. This wasn't just a normal Saturday. The previous day had been Halloween— and all night the parade of witches, ghosts, skeletons, and other macabre figures had wound through the streets of Greenwich Village. And the following day, Sunday, the 34th New York City Marathon was due to take place. It was just after 9.25 p.m. that an elderly resident entered the building near the corner of East 42nd Street and Madison Avenue in Midtown Manhattan. It was the kind of apartment building where the rents were astronomical. With his right hand, the man was holding a little dog on a lead. As he walked into the lobby, he glanced towards the doorman's booth, and saw the doorman with his head tilted onto his right shoulder. What's he up to? the man wondered. Is he asleep? Puzzled, he went closer to get a better look. The light from the large crystal chandelier on the lobby ceiling was so bright he had to screw up his eyes a little. The sight that greeted him was a harrowing one. The doorman's cheeks were covered in blood, his eyes were wide open, and his tongue was hanging from his half-open mouth. His uniform was spattered with blood, and there was blood in a bright pool on the marble floor. He stood there for a few minutes in silence, stunned. Then he raised his left hand to his bony forehead, as if to wipe out the horror of the scene, but at that moment the little dog yanked at the lead, pulling him back into the present. He looked around. There was nobody in sight. He rushed to the elevator, repeating over and over, Oh, my God! The telephone began ringing just as Lieutenant John Reynolds was getting up from his chair to go home. It was 21.50, according to the digital clock that stood on his tidy desk, next to a framed photograph showing the lieutenant with his wife and daughter. It had been a tough day, full of muggings and robberies. Late in the afternoon, a mother had come in to report that her twelve-year-old daughter had been sexually assaulted, probably by the same pervert who had been terrorizing Manhattan teenagers and their parents for some time now. A difficult case. He lifted the receiver, thinking it was his wife, wanting to know when he'd be home. But it wasn't her. Lieutenant Reynolds? The voice was a woman's, the switchboard operator. Yes, what is it? He listened. I'll be right there, he said, and slammed down the receiver. Then he put on his raincoat over his dark suit and hurried out. The expression on his face was a mixture of tiredness and irritation. Arriving on the scene, 
He found the place swarming with NYPD patrolmen and detectives who had been alerted after the elderly resident had called 911. They were talking among themselves about what had happened when Reynolds, still scowling, entered the spacious lobby. Here he is, one of the detectives said, immediately breaking away from the group and coming towards him. Evening, Lieutenant. Evening, Mike. John Reynolds was head of the detective squad at the 17th Precinct. He was a tall, broad-shouldered, hard-faced man, his thinning hair almost completely grey. After thirty years on the job, he knew the criminal world of Manhattan like the palm of his hand. He was fifty-six, the oldest detective still working the streets. Others his age preferred sitting behind a desk, giving orders. It was less stressful and you got more sleep. Reynolds was an exceptional investigator, one of the old school. There weren't many of his kind left. Michael Bernardi, one of the rising stars of the detective squad, was head of homicide. He had been in the Times...